this week on Pointing the Way with Pastor Shad Smith. Pointing the Way, a ministry of the Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. We pray you will find direction for living as we look into the Word of God today. I'm preaching this morning on this subject, Stay in the Race. Hebrews chapter 12 is written as the practical application of Hebrews chapter number 11. Chapter 11 was all about the life of faith. That's the life that you and I are living. What I mean is we can't see God with these eyes, but we trust God by faith. We don't understand everything that God is up to, but we trust God by faith. Hebrews chapter 12 takes us into that very arena of faith, and before us we see a great race that is being run. There are those that are still running the race. And then there are those who have finished and made their way to the finish line. The key word in Hebrews chapter 12 is that word, run, run. I don't know what you think about when you think about running, but when I think of running, all I can think of is agony. (laughs) Running can be agonizing. You see me running. I try, I'm trying to get in better shape and doing a little exercise these days, but I'm not doing a lot of running. I'm doing a lot of walking. I tried last night to do some running, and I made it about as far from here to the fellowship hall. And I said, you know, running's overrated, bad on the knees. Running can be agonizing, agonizing. Makes you weary at times. And you don't have to do much of it before you want to quit. The writer of Hebrews has some things to say about persevering, about staying determined, and about staying in the race. My prayer for us this morning is that this message is going to light fire over some of us today to run like we've never run before. I pray that for some of you today that aren't even in the race, that you'll decide that today you want to get in the race. You want to uh, kneel down at the finish line and Point your body toward the goal and listen for the shot of the gun and take off running for the Lord Jesus. God may have just brought you here to get you into the race today, to get you started. I believe God wants to save every person in this building. I believe it'd be a shame for any person under this roof today to die and go to hell. So if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, what are you waiting on? God providentially arranged your life to put you in this place this morning to tell you that He loves you and you've not done so much bad that He can't save you. I'm a living testimony of that myself. Once He saves us, He puts us in a race and He longs for us to stay in that race. And this morning from Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews gives us three simple thoughts that will help us to stay in the race if we will listen to them this morning. First of all, in verse number one, we see what I call the encouragement. Say that with me, the encouragement. We all need some encouragement from time to time, and we find that here at the beginning of this passage. In verse one, he ties together chapter 12 back to chapter 11. 
uh, all of those heroes of the faith back there in chapter 11, those guys and gals, they stayed in the race. They didn't quit. They finished. So now we come to chapter number 12, and we begin with this word, wherefore. That word, wherefore, really ties the two chapters together. Uh, probably it was one complete thought. The chapters and the verse numbers weren't put there by the Holy Spirit of God. Those were added about 300 years after we got the Bible to help us find our place in the Bible. So really, chapter 11 and chapter 12 continue on as one single thought. At the end of chapter 11, we hear of these uh, great uh, witnesses to the faith of Christ. And then in verse 1 in chapter 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What we're about to see is that these witnesses are going to encourage us to stay in the race. Who are the witnesses he's talking about? Who is this great cloud of witnesses? Well, they're the Old Testament saints. Uh, all of these people you read about in chapter 11, that's the great cloud of witnesses he talks about in chapter 12 and verse 1. They have finished their course by faith. They have run their race. And now the writer of Hebrews says, We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. They are our encouragement. Now, you take this first verse here. I've heard this verse in, interpreted in a couple of different ways. Uh, for example, some people have this idea that the great cloud of witnesses means that there's a heavenly host of saints that are in some sort of uh, set of heavenly bleachers looking down and watching our every move. They're witnessing our race. That's one way to consider that verse. I've heard a lot of people that I respect uh, preach that verse that way. I, however, think that there is a better way of interpreting that verse, and I want to share that with you. I think the better way is to consider that this cloud of witnesses is that they may just be witnessing to us, to us more than of us. You see, let me explain what I mean. The encouragement in Hebrews chapter 12 is to run our race with endurance. Don't quit. Don't slow down. Just run the race of faith. And obviously here he says that the encouragement here is this great cloud of witnesses. But how are they witnessing? How are they witnessing? I believe what the writer is saying here is that they are witnessing to us. We have this idea that they're witnessing our life, as if uh, you go out here and stand on the uh, town square and witness a car wreck. Uh, some of our lives are like a car wreck, and I don't think that the heavenly host is standing around looking to witness uh, the wreck we make of our lives. I mean, how, how much heaven and how much joy and peace would it be if you got to heaven and still had to spend the rest of eternity looking down at all the messes that the rest of us are making? I don't think they're focused on our earthly life. I think they're focused on Jesus. He's the focus of heaven. So if you've got an earth, uh, earthly loved one that has died and gone to heaven, and you wonder, is Mama looking down on me? I believe Mama, if she got to heaven, I believe she's looking into the face of Jesus, saying, thank you, Lord, for saving an old sinner like me. Then what does it mean here, this cloud of witnesses? I believe what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that they are witnessing to us. They're giving a witness, much like you would go out into the world this week and tell somebody about Jesus, and your life would be a witness to them. 
I believe the writer of Hebrews is saying, think on the testimony of all those who have gone before you. This great cloud of witnesses from Hebrews 11. Think about those saints. Think of how they lived the life of faith. Think of how they endured the end. Their witness says, keep on running. Don't quit. It's worth it all. Their witness, when you read their story, says you can go through the fire. Their witness says you can go through the storm. Their witness says you can finish the race if you don't think you got the power and the stamina to finish today. Their witness proves that God will do all that He said He would do and He'll lead us safely home. So when you read their life story, you find encouragement to keep on keeping on. That's one of the reasons you need to read your Old Testament. Some people like to just hunker down in the New Testament, don't like to read all that back there. But there's a lot of encouragement you're going to miss for your Christian life if you don't read your Old Testament. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 15, 4. Paul said, For whatsoever things were written aforetime or before now were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I don't know about you, but I found an awful lot of comfort for my life in the Scriptures back there in the Old Testament. When I wanted to throw in the title, I'd go back and read about those Old Testament saints that kept on uh, uh, racing and stayed in the race. Let me give you a thought. Some of you are going through some stuff right now and you say, Oh, life's just too hard. Lord, it's just too hard for me. When you think life's too hard, just look at the life of Moses. And let Moses encourage you. He stayed in the race. When the odds are against you and people are doing you wrong and you're being treated unfairly and you say, it just isn't worth living for God anymore. Look at the life of Joseph. Joseph stayed in the race. He didn't quit. When it looks like you're the only one in your family that's living for Jesus, or the only one in your community, or the only one at your workplace that's living for the Lord, and you don't think you can keep the witness up, you just look at old Noah. He was the only man on planet Earth other than his three boys and his wife and daughter-in-law. All of these people give us witness to encourage us. So we read about Abraham and we think, well, my goodness, if Abraham can finish the race, I'll finish the race. If Joseph and Jacob and Isaac can finish the race, well, I declare I think I can finish the race. If Rahab the harlot with everything she had against her in life, if she can finish the race, I can finish the race. You see, those saints of old, they didn't quit. I'm telling you something about them. You don't have to read their life story long to determine they were not super saints. They're just normal, everyday people like me and like you. They had their own struggles. They went through their own storms. They wrestled with their own sins. Yet they stayed true to the faith. And when they arrived at the finish line, their life was the proof. Their life was the witness. Their life was the testimony that God will do in your life everything He has promised to do. And all things work together for good to them that love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Don't think the saints are just sitting up there in heaven just peeking down on you with nothing else to do. No, their witness is a witness to the fact that you can trust God that everything in this Bible is true. I almost hear old Job say, I know you lost it all, 
and just keep on running, it's going to be worth it. I'm almost here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, I know you're going through the fire, and I know you're standing when it's unpopular to stand, and everybody's laughing at you, and you're facing persecution, but you just stay in the race. He'll be the fourth man in your fire. He'll stand by you. I, I can hear old Abraham and Sarah say, I know God promised you something, and as far as the way it looks right now, it's going to be impossible for God to keep his end of the deal. And I know it's hard to trust God when it all doesn't make sense, but you just trust him. He's the God of the impossible. He can do what you need done. Keep in the race. And your old David say, I know you want to retaliate, especially when your own family's turned against you. If you just let God fight your battles, it'll be all right. He's big enough to handle it. For some of you today, in that great cloud of witnesses, uh, is a dear old saintly mama, a dear old saintly daddy, or a saintly grandparent, and they've made it on to heaven, and they've proven by their life saying, true to the end, that everything they taught you to do is true, and it's worth every mile to run the last mile for Jesus. Take him at his word. Those saints, those old saints are our encouragement today. I'm talking to some people in this room, some senior adults, and I thank God for our senior saints. We're always making a big deal over our youth group. Uh, and I, I thank God for the young people. It ain't hard for them to get up and get to church. I mean, they got more energy in their little thumb than we got in the rest of our body. Somebody say Amen. I, I, I love y'all, and I'm glad you're here, but I want you to know at 14, it don't take near as much to get out of bed on Sunday as it does when you're 40, and 50, and 60, and 70, and 80. It don't take near as much. I thank God for our senior adults. Aren't you grateful for our senior adults? Did you let them know today? They stay faithful. Stay faithful. A lot of senior adults, I hear them talk sometimes, they say, I can't do what I used to do. And a lot of senior adults tell me, preacher, I wish I could help more at the church. Just can't do what I used to do. I've gotten older. And I tell every senior adult in here what you can do. You can light a fire of encouragement under the rest of us to stay in the race. You can light a fire of encouragement under the rest of us to keep on keeping on. Tell us how faithful God is. Tell us how God will never let you down. How God will be true to the end. Oh, what an encouragement. So you see, when the race gets long and weary and these bodies get tired, God wants His people to be encouraged to stay in the race. Don't quit. That's the encouragement. Now, how am I going to do this? Well, in the rest of verse 1, it gives us the explanation. The explanation. Say that with me. The explanation. How am I going to stay faithful? How am I going to run the race and endure to the end? Well, the writer of Hebrews is really going to give us a, a crash course here on how to stay on track in the Christian race. You ever find yourself getting off track? Getting off track? You can't go anywhere when you get off track. I remember as a boy, I used to have one of those little race electric race sets, a little track. I had the I had the Dukes of Hazard racing set, complete with a general lead before it got uh, politically incorrect. <laughs> and and, uh, and Roscoe Star and all that stuff. And I had that little track and I got it I guess for Christmas when I was seven or eight years old. And 
love that little track because it had a space right in the middle where the track come apart. If you got that thing going around the track enough, you could jump that thing. That general thing. And I'd always make that noise. You not remember that? I'd always do that. And I'd jump that thing across there. And I could almost get it every time. But if I didn't get it just right around that curve, you know what happened to that little car? It'd get off track. It wasn't good to play with. It wasn't good to do anything. Until I reached over there and got it and set it right back on the track. Got it hooked into the power again and pushed the button and made it go. A lot of times our lives like those little cars. <laughs> we get off track. And the writer of Hebrews tells us how to stay on track in the faith race. And he gives us a pretty clear explanation of how to do this. He says in verse 1, first of all, he says, Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. In other words, anything that's going to hinder your Christian life and the race of faith, anything that's going to slow you down from being all that God wants you to be, anything that's going to hinder you from glorifying God in your life, God says it's got to go. You've got to get rid of it. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, he talks about getting rid of two things here. He talks about the first thing that a lot of us need to do today, get rid of some weight. Somebody say Amen. You see these marathon runners, and they don't run around old tubby like me around the around the track. That's just looking for a heart attack right there. You got to trim down. They get all the fat off their body. Uh, get even those Olympic swimmers, man. They'll those guys. I don't. I, I think it's the most effeminate thing going on in uh, collegiate or, or, or athletic events. But these guys, they shave every inch of their body. The guys, you know what I'm talking about. Guys, you're supposed to be hairy. You know what they, they, they say? You know what they say? They do that. They, they say we do that because because we're getting rid of anything that's going to resist us in the race. So they they shave, they trim down, they lay aside every weight. Let me tell you, um, you probably hard, find this hard to believe, but I wouldn't lie to you, especially standing up here. I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you anyway, so I'm telling you the truth. As old Wendy Backer used to say, this is a fact. Well, my hand up, okay? When I was in college, I was a distance runner. I could see it on your face. I used to run 5Ks, 10Ks, run all these road races. I ran. Ran everywhere. I'd run miles every day. When I was training for these races through the weeks, I'd run more than the race was to stay in shape. And I had these little weights that went on my feet. And I'd put them on my ankles. And I don't know, they weighed a couple of pounds a piece. And I'd run around the track and up and down the road with those weights on my ankles. And boy, I'm telling you what, I'd run with those things. And it was hard running with those things. I didn't make a good time with those things. But boy, when I took those things off, I could fly. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I'd wear those things, Brother Philip, through the week when I was training for those Saturday 5Ks and 10Ks. But come Saturday, when I showed up at the starting line to run that race, I wouldn't have those ankle weights on my feet. No, I, I, I've been crazy to try to compete in a race with weights on. So I unstrapped those weights. 
I'd sometimes wear them around on Saturday morning before race time. But then I'd get to the start line, I'd take those weights off. I'd lay aside every weight. Because I wanted to have and run my best possible race. Now when the writer of Hebrews talks about laying aside of weight, uh, a weight, he's not necessarily talking about something that's bad. Those weights that were on my feet, they weren't bad. I mean, the truth is, used in the right way, those things were a help to me. There's a lot of things in your life used in the proper way can be a real help to you. But they can also be a weight if you're not careful. It'll hinder uh, your race. Legitimate things I'm talking about. Let me give you an example. I'm, I'm just going to pick on one thing and... One or two things here, just to give you an example of what I'm talking about. How many of you here in the room like to go fishing? Anybody like to go fishing? Look at that. Ain't nothing wrong with fishing. I believe fishing is a good thing. I'm not much of a fisherman, uh, but I, I like to go fishing. In fact, y'all know a good pond where I can go fishing? Y'all let me know. I'm looking for a place. I don't care about getting in a boat. I don't care about reeling a lot of fish in. I just like to go fishing because for me, fishing is good for my soul. It's just a good quiet place. It's good to get out in the quiet and just think and relax under a shade tree with a fishing pole. And one of the reasons I like the Andy Griffith show is because as the show comes on, you know the first thing them boys are doing? They're walking out through there going fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing. Fishing can be a good thing. Until... You start getting that bass boat and having a yearning to spend all weekend at the lake. And you start laying out of church because you want to go fishing. Oh, then all of a sudden, fishing's become a weight. A weight that you need to lay aside because that good thing is now taking you away from the best thing, and that's the race you're trying to run. Nothing wrong with fishing unless your fishing habit comes a weight. Then you need to lay it aside. Same way can be said of God. You could say the same thing. A lot of things are, are potential weights. Your love for comfort. Nothing wrong with wanting the comforts of life. You ought to uh, want to do good for your family, provide comforts for your family. Nothing wrong with that. I do the same for my family. Nothing wrong with that until that hinders and we get so comfortable and we're laying out of church and we're starting to uh, miss church and Miss our prayer time and miss our quiet time and miss doing what we're supposed to be doing for the love of God. And then the love of comfort all of a sudden has come awake. Nothing wrong with being contented with a job. A job is a good thing. And all God's people said, amen, it's a good thing to have a job. job helps us make money and to have things that we need and want. Nothing wrong with a job until your job comes between you and the Lord and you become more career-minded than mindful to glorify God. Then that job has suddenly become come between you and the Lord. Nothing wrong with loving your family. Loving your family. But you know some people, some people lay out of church and they'll stay home and you won't see them uh, for weeks and months and months at a time and uh, they're just, they're just, Never where they need to be in worship. Never doing what they need to be. And we'll check on them and say, well, we have to spend some time with the family. And nothing wrong with spending time with the family. Well, we spend time with our family. I'm a family man. Uh, where's Jonah at? 
young and he, he's in children's church. Last night was his birthday. Boy, we played that Mexican birthday song when he come in and lit candles and had cake. They did. And, uh, and we had a good time with the family. Nothing wrong with spending time with your family until your family comes between you and God. Then you've made an idol out of your family. It becomes a weight. You need to lay aside. I wondered this morning, is there a weight, a good thing in your life, something going on in your life that there's nothing wrong with, nothing sinful against, yet it is slowing you down, it is hindering you from the race God wants you to run. God says, lay it aside. Lay it aside. Here, of course, at the end of verse 1, this is a no-brainer. We're to lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. If good things can harm your race, what in the world is a bad thing going to do? It's going to hurt your race. It's sin. It's going to impede your progress. Now, do Christians sin? Of course Christians sin. Sister Anna back there, she got uh, baptized this morning, and, and she's professing her faith in Christ. Her and anybody else that begins a, 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 a faith race, do you think they're never going to sin? Oh, listen, don't say that you're not ever going to sin. We'll make all you wives stand up and tell us how dead mad of a liar you are. Oh, just because you a Christian don't mean you sin, or you don't sin, it just means your sin's been paid for. But sin still will impede your race. So if there's some sin in your life, you need to lay it aside. Quickly put it off. Uh, that word beset. The sin that besets us, it means to cling to you. Sins will cling to you. They won't leave you alone, but you got to cast them off if you want to run your race well. I mean, you, you remember when the Olympics come down here to, to Atlanta, and was it Michael Johnson? That was the guy, the, the, the world-class runner, the American runner, had those gold track shoes on. And boy, that guy, I mean, he was like a jet plane when he took off down there and ran that... 100 meter, that 500 meter. You ever seen those Olympic runners? Their body's just a physical specimen. I'll ask you something. You ever seen one of those Olympic runners tearing out down the track on the 100 meter relay? You, you ever, or, or the 100 meter sprint? You ever seen any of them wearing a long flowing overcoat? No. They don't want anything clinging to them. In fact, them guys wear shorts that you wouldn't want to see me in. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I, I'm talking, they, they get as little as possible. They don't need anything clinging to them. Why? Because they don't want anything hindering their race. I want you to follow me this morning. That's why the writer of Hebrews says sin will cling to you like an old a garment, an old overcoat. You need to shed that thing. Old timers used to say, get shed of it. Get rid of it. Shed it off. Don't let it hinder your race. Don't let it slow you down. Some little pet sin you got in your life, and you say, well, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I know you're not perfect. God knows you're not perfect, but he says, get rid of the sin in your life. You say, well, preacher, I'm not sinless. No, but you ought to sin less today than you did yesterday, and less tomorrow than you did today. You ought to be getting some victory over some things. He says at the end of verse 1, he's explaining here how to have a good race. Lay aside the weights, the sins that beset us. Then he says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. A couple of things here. I notice he says the race that is set before us. 
I'm not running your race. You're not running my race. Look up there at that, that picture up there. Everybody's got their lane. In fact, I'm not running against you. You're not running against me. You know those Olympic runners? You don't see them looking back at each other. They're right down the middle of their lane. Why? You think America's running against China? No, that American's running against himself. He's got to run his best race. He's got to run as hard as he can and give it all he can. Here's his opponent, his flesh. When his flesh gets tired, something within him says, I can go on a little harder. I can go on a little faster. The finish line is right up there. He's running against himself. He's running his best race. He can run against himself. You and I have to run the race that is set before us. I'm not running your race. You're not running my race. So get your nose out of my race, and I'll keep my nose out of your race. Somebody say amen right there. We're not here to be looking out after everybody else's race. I got my race to run. I don't have time to get in there and tell you how to run your race. You run your race. I'm going to run my race. It, 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 it's, it's far easier to stay in our lane. What's going to happen if you get over in my lane and try to help me run my race? You're going to get in my way. You're going to interfere with my race. How many of us know that we don't want to interfere with anybody else's race? We don't want to hinder. I don't want to hinder your race. If I can help you, I sure ain't going to hurt you. So we need to stay in our lane, run our race. For some of you, your race over there in lane one, we got Shelby McLean. And she's running the race of the school teacher. Go out there and run this week for Jesus. And be a school teacher for Jesus. Over here, we got uh, we got Ryan McIntyre in lane number two. He's not running against Shelby. He's running against Ryan. And he's in the bakery business race. He's a businessman. If you're going to be a businessman or a businesswoman, business person, how they say it these days, be a business person for Jesus. Run the best race as a businessman, businesswoman you can for Jesus. That's the race he's put you in. Down here, we got uh, sister, sister Becky. She works for the, you work for the courts, don't you? The court system. And so she's got her hand in, in government. Brother Gary got his hand in uh, public service. They're in lanes three and four. And over there, they're not running against one and two. They're just running against themselves. So, so Sister Becky, you just go out there this week and be, be the best Paulton County employee. Be the best sheriff you can be. Be the best public servant you can be for the glory of God. That's your race. You young people, God put you in school to be a student. That's your lane right now. And so get in your lane. Stay in your lane. Don't get in his lane, her lane, my lane. You get in your lane and you be the best student for the glory of God. Get your eyes off the, 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 the people around you. Keep them straight on the finish and run. Run. And run with patience. Now I like the word patience. Patience means it's, it's not a sprint. Oh, God. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We don't always have to run at top speed. Peak performance. We have good days, bad days, fast days, slow days. 
But a marathon runner, he just runs consistent. He just don't quit. Just don't quit. And for some of you, that's your that's your race. It's in one of those lanes. Maybe I maybe I missed your lane, but you know what your lane is. And either way, the writer of Hebrews says, put away any, if you want to run your race well, put away any distraction, anything that impedes you, and just run. Run. Now, I, I don't know the path your race is going to lead to. Your path over here or over there may be different than this path down here. Some of y'all, y'all own the schoolhouse uh, lane. But some of you, it may be harder for you than others. It may be harder for somebody. Well, I went to school with some people. Boy, they was good in math. You know? I saw my high school algebra teacher not long ago, and I shook his hand. He said, what have you been up to? I said, just living another day, using nothing you ever taught me. <laughs> Boy, I didn't like algebra. That was, that was a tough race for me to run. It was uphill all the way for me. And then there were some people that looked like algebra. It was just all just coast. Just coast. Some people have it easy in school because they're popular. They got just the right clothes and just the right charisma about them. Everybody wants to be the friend. And it's hard for them in school. But then there's some that, well, you get out of bed in the morning, you look like the ugly duckling. You know what I'm talking about? And you do everything you can. And you just get nothing. That's the way God made you. Ugly. I mean, somebody has to do it. I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, some people just have harder races to run than others. Some people just seem to be an uphill climb the whole way. And that may be your race. But by faith, just lay outside every way and run it with patience, looking to the goal to bring glory. How am I going to do that, preacher? Lay aside every weight. The sin which does so easily beset us. You got the explanation. You got the encouragement there, the witness of those Old Testament saints telling you, you can do it. You can do it. Now, number three, in our last point this morning, you got the example. It can be done, and there's a perfect example in verse two and three. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. To look to Christ means to trust Him. By the way, that's how you got in the race, by looking to Him. And you don't stop trusting Him the day you get saved. That's when you start trusting And you keep trusting I don't stop looking to Him now. I don't stop trusting Him now. I keep on looking to Him, for He is my example. What about those people in Hebrews 11? I thought they were my example. No, they're your encouragers. Jesus is your example. For you see, He endured far more than anybody in Hebrews 11. The Bible tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, verse 2, who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross. Endured the cross. Verse 2 says, He endured it, despising the shame. Nothing was more despicable than the cross. But He didn't quit. He kept on keeping on because that race of His was His joy. It, it was, he did it for his joy. What was his joy? His joy was you. And his joy was me. He saw that one day if he stayed on track and he ran his race, one day you could have a race. One day you could know him. One day you could know God and go to heaven one day. 
There, don't forget this today. When Jesus was on his race that led him up Calvary's hill, he had you on his mind. He was thinking about you. And now the Bible says he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, he did not stop short of finishing well. He went all the way to the end and sat down on the throne. You say, well, preacher, how can he be my example? He's God. Sure, he could do that. Oh, listen to me. Every pain he felt on Calvary, every torment they uh, put into his body, it was experienced in his humanity. It was his physical body. Don't think that because he was God, he didn't feel the nails in his hand. Don't think because he was God, he didn't feel the crown of thorns on his head. Don't think because he was God, he switch away the pain as they laid stripes to his back. No, he knew all of that pain, and yet he didn't quit. So today he's our example. And verse 3 says, Consider him that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself. You say, Oh, people's against me. Oh, join the crowd. If you get saved, the whole world's against you. You're not playing for their team anymore. But consider him that endured such a contradiction of sinners. Have you considered Jesus? We've seen him at the cradle. Consider him at the cradle. Herod wanted him dead. We've seen curing. Oh, considering curing. He went about doing good for everybody. Yet those Pharisees just chased him around and said, You can't heal this guy on this day of the week. And you can't do this. And you can't raise this in front of the dead. You can't do this and that. They didn't like him curing. He went communicating. Every time he preached, he was pouring the balm of Gilead on hurting souls that needed hope. Oh, think about the day he went over to Gadara and he preached to that old demoniac and was running around that cemetery possessed with demons and he went over there preaching help and hope to that old boy and deliverance. And all the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes, they all found out about it. Even in his communicating, people were complaining. Consider that. Considering crucified, he went up there to, to bear the sins of the world so that those around the cross and those in this room didn't have to go to die, have to die and go to hell. And what they do, they criticize and said, if you're the Son of God, come down off the cross. All they could do was drive and complain and moan and mock, yet he didn't quit. Even when they put his body in the tomb, he didn't quit there either. Hallelujah. Three days later, he came conquering out of the grave. One of these days, he's coming again. He sat down on the throne, yes, but he hadn't quit today. He's coming again. He ascended back to heaven one of these days. When he comes, my race is going to be over. Your race is going to be over. One of these days, I want to be able to stay with old Apostle Paul. All the Thank you for joining us today. Pointing the Way is a ministry of Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may write Pointing the Way, 120 Northside Church Road, Dallas, Georgia, 30132. Or visit us on the web at www.northsidedallas.com. Until next time, open God's Word to point the way for direction in your life.